Ladies and gentlemen, the Drive to Dayton episode number three. Here we are. Hard to believe it's already episode three. Gentlemen, another big week for you guys. How we doing? Doing good. Um, I already feel like I'm starting to, to run on fumes a little bit, uh, and that's not a good sign. Uh, you know, the check engine light coming on <laughs> in, in week three is... That's it early. Is not great. Um, and I got a busy week uh, coming up. I think today might be the only day of the week where I do not have either a high school game or a college game. So I got to buckle up, got to catch the second win. So, yeah, we stay busy here on the drive to Dayton. You know, another, another solid weekend with an event Saturday and Sunday. Going to be doing the same thing next weekend. Got a couple of midweek games, a couple in Ohio, a couple in Kentucky. So we're staying. I'm staying on the highway, that's for sure. Well, guys, we got a we got a jam-packed show. We're loaded today uh, for our growing listenership out there. Um, let's let's uh, let's jump right into this. I got a I got an introductory question for you guys. All right. So here's what I'm thinking. All right. So we get we've got a We've got a VIP lounge, all right, and you're working the door, and you're only, a, so you're the bouncer, whatever you want to think of yourself as. Um, you're only allowed to let five teams in the door. Who are they? Now, listen, for those of you out there, this isn't necessarily the five best teams. Um, this is somebody that, that you're taking in the club with you so who is it gonna be uh let's tj i'll start with you oh uh, so with this um when i when i saw this question i didn't want to put a ton of thought into it i wanted to just go with the the first five teams that popped in my brain just okay. kind of my initial <laughs> gut instinct uh to me these are the five teams that i absolutely would trust right now that I can let them in the VIP section. They're not going to go crazy with the bottle service. <laughs> you know, they're not going to get, they're not going to get tossed out the club. Rob, if you don't know, I just want to give you an idea. Rob, the club is where, you know, adults like, okay, never mind. Um, so the team, five teams I went with off the top of my head. Uh, so I got St. Ignatius, uh, Delaware Hayes, Garfield Heights, Centerville, and then a team I just saw this past weekend in Lutheran West. Uh, so those were the five immediate teams that popped up. Uh, Ottawa Glandorf would kind of be on my honorable mention list, probably along with Reynoldsburg. Um, Hillier Bradley at full strength. Uh, Cincinnati Moeller probably at full strength as well. Uh, Moeller's without two, two starters currently, and they still picked up a pretty big win this past weekend. Uh, but they would be still outside the club at the moment. Roth? Well, it's a good thing we have more than one bouncer because I'm letting in St. Ignatius, Centerville, Ottawa Glendorf, Moeller, and Lutheran East. So uh, I'm a little, got a little bit of different qualifications here. I just feel like these five teams, I know what I'm going to get out of them. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're playing a game. Uh, at Nationwide Arena, at, at Dayton Arena, or if you're playing a game 
in in the playground in St. Clairsville. Okay, these teams are going to come out. They're going to compete. And they're going to give you a great effort. And their programs that year in and year out, uh, they win. And I, I wanted to fit in six because the team that Mueller beat this weekend, St. Vincent, St. Mary, they were going to be my sixth team that I let in. But apparently max capacity, only five teams in this VIP lounge. And my five, again, are Ignatius, Centerville, OG, Moeller, and Lutheran East. All right. So I'm the psycho here, and I put way too much thought into this because it was my question. So, all right, I, I'm rolling up to the, I'm rolling up to the lounge here. And the first team I got with me, I've got the Highland Hawks. Uh, I need somebody that's coming in with me. That's consistent. Like, I just know this is what I'm going to get. I'm going to get a team that's going to get me to the final four. I don't know. They may get blown out once they get once they get in the lounge, but they're they're going to be there. So the, I just need that consistent person next to me. But I'm going in. But I, I got to have somebody because I'm not tough. So I got to bring somebody in that's tough. So I'm going to bring Ed Kalos, Westerville South squad with me. All right. I, I know that they're going to be tough. Uh, so I'm going to bring them with me. And then you always got that one person with you that, you know, they got some style, right? That they're probably got a little bit more style in you. And I'm going to go with Harvest Prep, mostly because their coaching staff usually always has some great style. Uh, now that the Temptations, uh, the Dayton Dunbar staff with Pete Pullen and the boys um, have kind of, I mean, there, there's still some of that at Trotwood, but the originals at Dunbar, um, I'm going to have to give that to Harvest Prep. Now, they're they're really in unison, too. Uh, they're always in unison with the claps and the, you know, the D, D, D defense stuff. So I'm going to take them in with me. Then everybody knows you got that one wild character that's with you. Oh, you always have the wild character. And I'm going to bring Sandusky with me because Sandusky's going to be wild. All right, I thought, listen, I thought about Garfield Heights, but it was basically because of Sonny. Um, but as a team, I got to, uh, if I'm going to have somebody that's just wild with me, Sandusky's coming in with me. And then you got to have a closer. And OG's got a closer. All right, so we're going to bring Colin White and his squad's going to come in with us. So those are the five teams that are coming in with me to the VIP lounge, gentlemen. That's great. <laughs> I told you I put way too much thought into it. Yeah, I, I'm kind of disappointed in myself, man. Uh, yeah, you went a little outside the box. I probably should, could have done the same. That's fun, though. Yeah. I, I, I like these introductory questions. All right, so let's uh, <laughs> let's recap last week. Um, so let's start here with the battle in the seven four zero, which was at Shawnee State. Uh, Roth, I believe you were on hand Saturday. Is that correct? Yeah, Saturday and Sunday. Oh, okay. So what? what yeah, did so you, uh, get... What'd you got? What'd you get? What'd you, what came out of there for you? 
Yeah, I'll get started with the recap. So both days you had four boys games. On Saturday, you had three girls games. On Sunday, you had one girls game. Um, shout out Procterville Fairland girls. Um, they get up and down the court, uh, really run in transition, can really score the basketball. Uh, a lot of a lot of boys teams uh, around the state could be watching film on Procterville Fairland girls because uh, they could learn a thing or two on how to score the basketball, especially early this year. We've been we've been struggling to score the ball, Ohio. Uh, maybe it's just great defense by our teams, but uh, in the battle in the seven four zero. My first headline reaction was Olentangy Liberty looked very impressive. Uh, their big guy, Tyler Kropp, was excellent. They also have a sophomore who's committed to Louisville for baseball as a pitcher. They take down one of West Virginia's top teams in Huntington High, and that was just a solid win for the Patriots. And then a couple Southeast versus Southeast matchups. Uh, Fairland and Fedhawk beat some of the top teams around Southeast Ohio. Fairland took down Uni Yoto in boys action. They were, Fairland was at this event for both the boys and the girls. And Fedhawk got a quality win over Lucasville Valley. And then you had two Columbus teams avoid upset. Bishop Hartley goes to overtime against North Adams, but Hartley is able to grind out a victory at the end. They were down four points with under two minutes to play find a way to get overtime and get a win. I thought the Callaway brothers were very impressive. And North Adams, it's not just Branson Copas, who was fantastic. Junior guard Jace Rothwell looked much improved. And North Adams might be the team to beat in Division Three in Southeast Ohio. They have a huge game against Mimford on Tuesday. Another Columbus team that came down to Portsmouth was Harvest Prep. And they were tied with Wheelersburg with about four minutes to go, but Prep's depth was just a little bit too much. Uh, they've just got a lot of bodies that they can throw out at you. And Khalil Daniels struggled with foul trouble, had four fouls, and I believe only two points heading into the fourth quarter. I think he ended the game with 11 points, scoring nine in the fourth quarter, a couple offensive rebound finishes, uh, and one, just bringing that toughness. And I honestly think if Wheelersburg was able to foul Daniels out uh, early in the fourth quarter, you might have seen the Pirates get the upset victory. But Daniels made enough plays at the end of the game, and Harvest Prep gets the victory. And finally, New Albany, after getting blown out earlier in the week against Olentangy Orange, they bounced back, get a quality victory over Minford, and really controlled that game from start to finish. Roth, I think you... Um... You hit the nail on the head. I, I think it was last week's show we were talking about it. <clears throat> I caught a little bit of that game with Wheelersburg and Harvest Prep. And if you watched like the first five minutes, it was like, oh boy, this could go south quick. But Wheelersburg just <laughs> seems to find a way to like muck it up and they just they just get physical with you and they I mean they play really hard. Um, and then before you know it, like they're right in the game again and it's tied. And it's like, you think they're down 15 and the game is tied. Um, but I, I think that's just a testament to, to those kids that, cause it doesn't, they've changed coaches several times here in the last 10 years. And it's, it's still the same kids. Uh, Wheelersburg just has tough kids, football, basketball, baseball, but credit teams like Harvest Prep for going down 
and playing in events like this. And, you know, they'll, they'll play anybody. Mike Bates, Afrocentric, he'll play anybody. Um, and, and Hartley, uh, Andreas James going down there and getting a nice win. Um, I, think, I think people are going to see later in the season that that win over North Adams was a really good win. Yeah, great, great crowd support from Wheelersburg as well. I thought that they probably had the most engaged crowd. Not too far for them to travel, but right. still going to a neutral site, $15 get in at the door, and the Wheelersburg fans were not skimping. Uh, it was it was a packed house at Shawnee State. All right, TJ, you, um, you were at the uh, Holy Grounds Classic this weekend. Yeah, I was. Uh, so the Holy Grounds Classic uh, was put together by uh, Chris Walker uh, and Paul Ross. Uh, both guys who, who did an event last year at St. B that me and Ralph were at, uh, they've done a great job. They, they treat media well. It's always organized. Games are on time. Uh, so I wanted to give a quick shout out to them. Uh, the event kicked off with St. B going against Moeller. Uh, it was a 145 game. Uh, so I want to give credit to, to Moeller. I'm assuming they made the trip up in the morning. Down two starters with Kingston Land and A.J. McBride still being out due to injury. Uh, both are expected to be back in January. For St. B, it was it was one of those games where I'm honestly not sure if they could have played any better. Uh, they shot the absolute leather off the basketball for the first three and a half quarters. Uh, guys like Jason Walker and, you know, Rayshon Hamilton, uh, Noah Chambers, guys just made really tough shots, and, you know, they were moving the basketball. Moeller did a great job of hanging around. Uh, senior Eric Mahaffey, Akron commit, was great. I thought he checked a lot of boxes, kind of impacted the game in a few different ways. Junior Alex Kazanecki, who I think is going to be one of the breakout players, not only in Southwest Ohio, but Ohio in general, uh, he was great. Uh, 6'5", kind of like a stretch forward. Uh, shoots a beautiful ball, man. It's really fluid, shot ready off the catch. Uh, he made a bunch of timely shots. Uh, Junior Roman Mason probably had the biggest play of the game. I believe Moeller was up two or maybe down two. He got an on-ball steal, turned it into a layup with about a minute and a half or so to go, and that just kind of edged it out. Um, but it was it was what you would have expected from two of the better programs in Ohio. Just a very well played, well coached high school basketball game. Uh, one of the one of the cleaner games that I feel like I've watched so far this year. Uh, next up was uh, CBCA going up against Brush. Uh, Coach Matt Futch obviously, you know, lost uh, Darren Peterson from a year ago. Uh, had a few other seniors that, you know, were in that 2023 class that had moved on as well. But they actually got what some would consider would be an upset win over Brush. I thought Coach Futch's group was awesome to watch. Um, I tweeted it out a few days ago. They were just really refreshing. Uh, the guys competed, you know, they'd get down five or six, they'd hang in there, cut it to one, go down six or eight, and they'd be right back in it. Uh, their guard play, uh, led by senior LaBelle Sharp, uh, combined with what Coach Futch likes to do with his toughness, uh, I, I thought it was just a, a great, great game played by CBCA, really well-coached, disciplined group that he has there. Uh, next up was probably the game that I was intrigued by the most on paper, uh, you had Lutheran West scoring off against Frederick Douglass out of the Atlanta area. Frederick Douglass on paper, I mean, loaded. Uh, every starter was 6-2 and up, multiple scholarship-level players. 
Uh, and one thing I've learned just from, you know, traveling on the grassroots AAU circuit, going to some national events is a lot of these teams down south just have like kids with physical profiles that we just don't see very often in Ohio. It seems like guys that like in Atlanta, there's just six, seven, six, eight, six, nine, long, strong, athletic kids just walking on, on every block. Uh, so, you know, for Douglas was a team that I like to call them all airport teams that when they step off the plane, they looked apart. Uh, so the first half, Lutheran West kind of jumped out on them. Uh, Coach Duke, I think, deserves a lot of credit, man. When we talk about some of the best coaches in Northeast Ohio, uh, he's obviously young. His name, you know, doesn't get brought up in those conversations nearly as much as it should. I thought he was great. I, I thought he put on an absolute clinic. Uh, he's got great guard play with seniors Jason Levis and Derek Fairley. Uh, Tino and... Senior Dylan Barczak were great, made a bunch of shots. I think they combined for, for over 30 points, probably hit about six or seven combined threes. And, and one thing I learned is that while Ohio teams aren't accustomed to seeing teams that look quite like Frederick Douglass, Frederick Douglass isn't quite, you know, prepared to go against teams that play like Luther and West and play like some of our top teams in Ohio do. Uh, so I did, Luther and West was great. Uh, Derek Fairley is a kid who hasn't been at the top of the, the scoring leaders for them these first few games, but I think he's just kind of the, the straw that stirs the drink, as Stubbs would like to say. Uh, Luther and East got a good win against Holy Name. They moved on to 4-0. and Jesse McCullough finished with 20 points and earned what feels like his fifth tournament MVP <laughs> of the year so far. Uh, Chris Hill, a kid who I've been really high on so far this year, the freshman guard, uh, he was great. Uh, Max Ballin from Holy Name, I believe he had 16 points at, at halftime, uh, was just making a bunch of really, really tough shots off the dribble. Chris Hill switched on to him in the second half, really did a great job of limiting his touches and making him work for it. I uh, believe he finished with 23 or 24 points. Uh, Luther Nice was able to, to walk away with the W. Uh, overall, it was a really good event, though. Um, I think four games is a perfect number. Uh, a lot of times with these events, you get five, six, seven games. Uh, most people aren't crazy like me and Roth. They, you know, they come in, they watch one game or two games, then they head out. Uh, but sometimes when you're watching six, seven, eight games, it can really drag on. Uh, so it was kind of refreshing just to watch four games, be in, there, be in the gym for a few hours, and then be able to hit the road back home and still get back at a, a pretty decent time. Well, T.J. Wild. <clears throat> While you uh, were talking about Lutheran West, it's a good segue to um, first uh, we'll do our players of the week. And TJ, I'll start with you. Uh, your player of the week this week was? Uh, it was Derek Fairley, uh, the kid who I just talked about. Uh, so defensively, I, I think he's been phenomenal. Uh, at 6'2", he's got long, long arms, really quick hands. Uh, kid seems to take like one or two charges almost every night. Uh, the thing that's jumped out to me is how unselfish he is. Uh, never afraid to make that extra pass. I thought he's done a much better job of just kind of channeling his pace this year, learning to pick his spots, take better shots. Uh, and he's a guy who's probably not going to ever lead them in scoring, maybe a game or two here and there. Uh, but to me, he's been arguably their most valuable player uh, just with his effort on the defensive end. And now he's been able to just kind of impact and do so many different things for them 
whether it's, you know, sliding over and running the show, whether it's, you know, checking the other team's best player, whether it's getting his hands dirty on the defensive end or, you know, making open catch-and-shoot shots. Uh, he's been uh, a bit of a stock riser for me so far in these first few weeks of the season. Roth? My player of the week is Tyler Kropp of Olentangy Liberty. He scored 16 in a conference road win over Dublin Kaufman on Friday, and then on Saturday scored 27 points in their victory over Huntington, West Virginia at the battle in the 7-4-0. I just think that Kropp is one of the most talented bigs in Ohio. His hands are excellent. He does a great job catching the ball. Even when the pass isn't perfect, he goes to the basketball. And then once he catches it on the block, does a great job of being able to shoot with both hands with his back to the basket. You can't really force him one direction. And his passing ability also allows Olentangy Liberty to give it to him either in the low block or at the elbow. And he was able to hit cutters on backdoor plays, kick it out to shooters. He just unlocks a lot for the Olentangy Liberty offense. So he's my player of the week. Already holds a handful of Division One offers and continues to show why mid-major programs from all over the region are interested in recruiting him. Yeah, for me, um, I went with Luke Sanders, 6'3", junior, out of Cincinnati Hills Christian Academy. This is a kid that averaged about 25 points a game last year as a sophomore. Um, he's just a bit, a little bit below 28 this year. Um, he had a big week, though. Uh, he scored 29 in a win over Purcell Marion, and then he had 20, uh, what do you have, 28, or 28 against Purcell, and then 29 against Loveland. Both wins. They're undefeated on the year. He's averaging about 28 points a game, about six rebounds, and 2.3 assists. So Luke Sanders, um, and he, he's shooting the ball at a pretty, pretty solid clip, too. I mean, a lot of times when guys are averaging that, amount of points sometimes you're just shot jacking and it's very inefficient but he's making a lot of the shots that he's taking so luke sanders out of chca is my player of the week and fun fact about luke um sophomore year i believe he led the entire city of cincinnati in scoring uh and it must run in the family uh because his dad is the all-time leading scorer in northern kentucky yeah, he can put the ball in in the basket for sure. Uh, Roth, who is your team of the week? So my team of the week, I was actually thinking about putting who TJ put at his team of the week, but he beat me to the punch in the Google Doc. So we're not going to double up there. I went with Witten Woods as my team of the week. They went 2-0, got two conference victories. Opened up the week on Wednesday with a 30-point victory over Milford, just taking care of business. And then they followed it up on Friday night with a two-point win on the road against Kings. Kings was one of the teams that shared the conference title in the ECC last year. Wenton Woods looking to take it this season. And Tyler McKinley had 24 points, 10 rebounds, 6 assists. And senior point guard Sean Harmon had 24 points on six three-pointers in their victory Friday against Kings. So Winton Woods is my team of the week. 
Uh, for me, I actually went with Westerville North. Uh, so they went undefeated last week, uh, three wins over Gahanna Lincoln, who was one of our teams of the week from the first episode. Uh, they had a blowout win over Franklin Heights, and then they beat Westerville Central 69-64. Uh, I, as a team, I got to see quite a bit in the summer, uh, and I just thought the guard play, Micah Young, Ty Perkins, and then the freshman Tyson Perkins uh, was just going to be so key for them, uh, especially late in the season. But I think that's also been shown to be pretty pivotal early on. Uh, especially with their work on the defensive end. All three of those kids, just kind of tough-nosed, gritty guys, all do different things with the basketball. Uh, Ty Perkins is a really quick, shifty guy that can get a paint touch almost whenever he feels like it. Micah Young is kind of a jack-of-all-trades guard, really good defender, can play off the ball, can slide over and play the point guard. Uh, they've been great, and I think to get two big wins like that over Gahanna Lincoln, Westerville Central, uh, from the footage I saw, the environment in both those games looked to be a lot of fun. Uh, usually we don't get those type of environments uh, in Ohio this early on in the season. Uh, and I think it, it's key for them. They actually have a really big game coming up, I believe, this Friday against Delaware Hayes. Uh, so I think that's going to be a really good measuring stick for both teams. Yeah, TJ, when you uh, when you queue up the tape on Westerville North, um First thing that jumps to me is the passion and intensity they play with, uh, and that's always a um, that's always a, a sign to me that th this is a team. I mean, especially when you have some talent like they do, this is a team that could make a deep run. Um, when you play with that type of fire on every pos possession and passion, um, it, it just seems like that team is kind of together. Uh, I think I think you're you're right on with with Westerville North. That's a that's a team that could be uh, really dangerous come tournament time. That's a real nice win over Westerville Central. Uh, I'm interested to see uh, how that game with Hayes shakes out. I think that should be should be really. Uh, this good. is kind of a not a bit of a rant, uh, but something pretty related to this. Uh, I think we put not us uh, specifically, but just in general. I think we often put too much stock into june games uh and what i mean by that i got to see westerville north uh not only at midwest live but i got to watch them at ohio state's team camp as well <laughs> and just being honest they didn't quite frankly they weren't not very good uh in the month of june um but i think it just is a testament to nobody's very good in the month of june i, th I think we all need to kind of pump the brakes on summer basketball and using how teams look in june to kind of, you know, project how they're going to look in January or February. Because I, I really don't think it, it has any any merit on, on how teams are going to play throughout the season. Uh, so that's just something that, that was on my mind. Like, let's just <laughs> figure it out in June. Let's see who we got, what they can do, what the rotation looks like. Let's not put as much stock in the wins and losses in the month of June, please. Absolutely. Her. Uh, my team of the week uh, is Warren JFK. Um, this is a Division Four team sleeping up in that in that Warren Youngstown area up there. Um, this is a team that got a really nice win last week over a good D3 uh, Cardinal Mooney team. Uh, then they blew out Lowellville. Um, I believe that was Friday night, but 
I just kind of wonder if this Warren JFK team isn't a team that could, that if you remove Richmond Heights, if, if that is not the team that would show up in Dayton um, from the Division Four ranks up that way. Um, I think they're – there goes the lights, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I think they're the team when – you, when you look at all the pieces that they have – um, returning all the production that they have returning, um, I, I just think that this this could be one of those seasons where it's like, man, what could have been? Uh, and again, there's a lot that could happen between now and then. But you just kind of wonder with that team is that is that the team that could have been the team at Dayton? And, and quick shout out to, to Coach K over there at Warren Jeff K, man. Not only is he just like a great guy, like I don't think I've ever met anyone who's had a bad thing to say about him, but he's a phenomenal coach. Uh, they're a team that I don't get to see quite as often. Uh, I don't make it out to the Youngstown Warren, Warren area as much as I would like. Uh, but last year I did get a chance to catch a three-team scrimmage. Uh, it was Warren JFK, Badger, and Youngstown Ursuline. Uh, and I thought Warren JFK did more than hold their own in that scrimmage. Uh, they had a junior who I liked at that time named Nick Ryan. Uh, I, he was like a 6'2 guard. Uh, just kind of did a lot for them. Uh, really set the table for guys. Uh, they got a bunch of kids that can flat out shoot it. Uh, and Nick Ryan kind of picked his spots, knew when to score, when to pass. Uh, I just thought they played together, and they played really well uh, in the in the small sample size that I got to see a year ago. So those are our players of the week, teams of the week here on episode three. Uh, let's move on to what to watch this week, some notable events around the Buckeye State. We've got the five C's classic at Capital University. We got the Coach Q. Uh, is that QP classic? Don't don't ever disrespect QPs like that. How do you not know what QPs is? I, oh my gosh! All right, yeah. so Stubbs, here we go. If you're ever in Lima, it is an unwritten rule that you have to go to QPs Burgers. Okay. Um, it's like an old school diner style spot. Uh, there's like five or six of them spread throughout Lima. I don't think they're anywhere else though, um, and it is great. Like burgers are good. Uh, surprisingly, their chocolate malts are like phenomenal. I've heard the people say that their heard people say that their pies are good. Yeah. I've never, I've never had a bad thing from there. Uh, anytime I go out that way to watch Lima Senior, always make a stop at QPs, no matter what day of the week it is. Highly recommend. I'm sure I'm not telling you guys something you don't already know. Uh, for those of you who are up that way, if you're not up that way and you're planning on being up that way, stop at QPs for your boy. Yep, and give us some sponsorship. Uh, <laughs> that would be at Lima Senior, the house of Coach Q. We got the Danny Young Classic at Shaker Heights, sponsored by Chaz Wolf. Uh, we have the East versus West Challenge at Warrensville Heights. <laughs> the Hall of Fame Hardwood Classic at Maslin, Washington, and the Ohio Play-by-Play -play Classic that is now at Woodland Woodland Gym at CSU. Gentlemen, I know you're going to be at a few of these. Uh, Roth, where are we going to find we? What events are we going to find you at this weekend? Yes, yeah, so I'm going to be in the gym on both Saturday and Sunday. 
Starting off with the Hall of Fame City Hardwood Classic by Massillon. These are a lot of teams that uh, I probably won't see if I don't go to this event. So taking a chance to see some under the radar teams uh, and just catch a lot of the teams in that Akron Canton area, uh, a couple federal league teams, a couple smaller schools. And I think it's going to be a quality event to find a couple sleepers and even have one of my games of the week uh, in there tipping off at 30. And then on Sunday, I'm going to make my way down to Columbus for the Five Seas Classic. Got a couple really interesting games. Reynoldsburg St. Ignatius really jumps off the page as a big game to watch. And the hospitality room at the Five Seas Classic is high major plus every single year. So not gonna not gonna be missing out on that. Uh, yeah, I want to put a, you know, kind of a spotlight on a few of these other events as well. It seems like always around this time during the season, we always just get a, a plethora of events, you know, on Saturday, Sunday, you got to try and figure out where you're going, who you need to see, where you want to go. Um, so one event over at the, the new Warrensville Heights High School and Gym, uh, you have the East vs. West Challenge, which is put on by Paul and Chris. Same people who just put together the Holy Grounds Classic at St. V. Uh, you have Hawking against Spire, Holy Name against Gilmore Academy, Lake Catholic against Maple Heights, Toledo Whitmer against Glenville, which should be a really fun, up-tempo game. Uh, and then you have Padua against Warrensville Heights. Uh, quick shout-out to, to Michi Johnson over at Warrensville Heights. They got a big win over Maple Heights. Uh, I believe it was last week. Uh, this week on Thursday, uh, they travel to Garfield Heights. So you got a little brother-on-brother -brother action with Michi versus Sonny, uh, their first of, of many over the next few years. Uh, so the East versus West Challenge would be a good way for Northeast Ohio fans to see Toledo Whitmer uh, on paper, one of the more talented teams in Division One. You have the Ohio Play-by-Play -play Classic at Woodling Gym, uh, which is the old CSU gym. Uh, that is where I will be at. So the first game, you got St. Ed's against Imani Christian out of the Pittsburgh area. Uh, you got Lutheran West against Akron Bookdale, which is a rematch of last year's Division II State Championship. Uh, at 3.30, you got Wynton Woods against Lutheran East. So a pretty intriguing matchup there with uh, Tyler McKinley, Cincinnati commit going up against Lutheran East, Jesse McCulloch, who's headed to Michigan State. Uh, Garfield Heights, who... It just got picked as the, the number one team in Northeast Ohio by Matt Poole going up against Huntington Prep. Uh, so Darren Peterson, one of the you know most highly regarded prospects in the country, regardless of class, kind of making his homecoming back to Northeast Ohio to play you know one of the, if not the top team in Division One in Garfield Heights. Uh, then you have Richmond Heights and St. Ignatius. Uh, Richmond Heights just dropped another game this past weekend to St. Joseph's Prep. Uh, out at the, I believe it was the Kobe Bryant Classic at Lower Marion High School. Uh, they have to turn around and play St. Ignatius, who is playing really good basketball at the moment. Uh, they've beaten off the top of my head. I know they beat Medina and then had a, like a 13-point a win, I believe, over Louisville uh, just this past Friday. So, yeah, the it's all gas, no brakes for Richmond Heights, and they got a sharp turn coming up. So hopefully they can get their both hands on the wheel and figure it out. 
the Danny Young Classic, you got Toledo Scott, Beachwood, CCC, Toledo St. John, University School, who's been playing really well to start the season against CBCA, and then Afrocentric against Garfield Heights Trinity. And then, like we mentioned earlier, you got the Coach Q, QP Classic, a game there that I'm actually really intrigued by. Uh, it's one of the games this weekend that I wish I could see just as a fan, not even as a scout, but on the 16th, which is Saturday, at 7.30 p.m., you got Ottawa Glendor against Shelby. So you have one of the top 10 teams in Division Three going up against one of the top 10 teams in Division II. Uh, Shelby has Alex Bruscott, or Wright State commit. Ottawa Glendorf obviously has Colin White. Uh, two guys who played AAU together for a few years have a really good rapport, uh, but I do think the gloves will be off on Saturday. Uh, I expect those two guys to just really get after it. Uh, it should be a fun game for those who plan to be in attendance over at Lima Senior High School. Speaking of Lima Senior, I do want I do want to give a big shout out um, to Toledo Scott. Uh, they knocked off Lima Senior this Saw week, um, and then they turned around and you know played Pickering and North as well, uh, which they weren't able to win that. But uh, that's a big win for Scott um, over Lima Senior. That's that's a, that's a real quality win. So shout out to Toledo Scott. Uh, some other contests just around the state this week. Um, on Friday, you got Big Walnut um, at Westerville South. You got Delaware Hayes at Westerville North. Pick Central at Gahanna. Um, Fed, oh, well, you got Canton McKinley against Glen Oak. Um, you got Warrensville Heights against Garfield Heights. Um, I'm guessing this is Archbishop Hoban at Louisville, um, yep. Sycamore at Mason, Kettering Alder at Bishop Fenwick, and Toledo Whitmer. Uh, that's Tuesday uh, against Lima Senior. All right, so with that being said, um, TJ, your games of the week, who, who do you got as your games of the week this week? Uh, so I, I just mentioned that that OG Shelby game. Uh, so obviously that's a, that's a game that I'm excited just to see how it plays out. Uh, Richmond Heights and St. Ignatius to me has a lot of implications on Northeast Ohio basketball. I know they're in two different divisions, uh, but these are two teams on paper, uh, in my opinion, are probably the number one and number two most talented rosters in Ohio. I think Reynoldsburg uh, would probably have a say in that. Um, but I'm just very curious to see how that game turns out. Uh, Richmond Heights obviously had a, a ton of hype coming into the season. Hasn't quite been able to put things together yet. And then St. Ignatius, who seems to be on the opposite end of the spectrum, who's kind of playing really good basketball early on. And they're going to bump heads. I'm going to be curious to see how that goes. Um, and, yeah, that would be it. Those would be my – and then Garfield Heights, Huntington Prep. I just think there's going to be a lot of high-level talent, high-end talent on the floor in that one. Um, Marcus Johnson uh, and Darren Peterson, uh, two of the premier guards in the country. And it should be a lot of fun. Also, two of the most entertaining fathers in the country as well. So I'll be <laughs> curious to see the tweets and the Facebook posts flying about 9 p.m. on Saturday night. Mr. Roth. So I got two games of the week. I'm going to be in attendance for both of these games. First one, Glen Oak versus Menor. We already discussed on Thursday Glen Oak is going to be hosting Kent McKinley. So I'm curious to see how they respond. 
and Menor on Friday is hosting Medina, and then less than 24 hours later is going to have to take on Glen Oak. So two teams that are going to be coming off games against conference opponents that are definitely going to challenge them. You could argue both these teams are favorites in their conference, or at least in the top two or three, going up against other teams that are near the top projected teams in the conference. So quick turnaround for both of these teams. You've got some talented seniors on both ends. Uh, they're not really going to be guarding each other, but Ja'Cory Lim- Lipkins and Ian Iopolo should be a really fun battle. And then on Sunday, it's another quick turnaround. Reynoldsburg against St. Ignatius. Ignatius, about 24 hours after they're going to take on Richmond Heights, they're going to travel two hours down I-71 to take on Reynoldsburg at Capital University. And these are two of the more talented teams in Ohio. But what's going to be interesting is Ignatius has a lot of senior talent. Um, you look at their forwards, Sam Springer, Reese Robinson, Jackson Polnick. Obviously, you've got the junior duo of Quinn Wodke and Damon Fryrath against a Reynoldsburg squad that outside of Noah Smith and Saron Callaway-White, is playing a lot of juniors and sophomores. So can that experience of St. Ignatius be ready to go in what's going to be a tough 24-hour stretch for Cam Joyce and company? I I, I could see Ignatius going 2-0, 1-1, or 0-2 this weekend. So should be some competitive games uh, at both of those. I'm really excited to watch how each of them play out. Yeah, those games that you've mentioned are all going to be uh, must-see. Um, unfortunately, I mean, you just can't get to everything, but you guys definitely do your best at, at trying to do that. Um, I got a five-pack for you. Um, first one that I had here was uh, Tuesday night special. Uh, this is a big rivalry game. Uh, Garraway at Highland on Tuesday night. Uh, I believe this is only going to be Garraway's second game, um, long football run to the state semifinals. Um, so they will, they will get at High, at Highland on Tuesday night. Highland um, took a four-point loss to uh, Division One Dover the other night. Highland right now is without their uh, leading scorer, uh, Sammy Detweiler. He'll be out for I believe like the first seven games of the season, um, but. You know, Highland is still going to be very, very competitive. Um, I like that kid a lot, yeah. by the way. Um, I only got to see him one game, and I believe that was down at the state tournament. Uh, but, I mean, you're talking about a guy that just knows how to play, can shoot the basketball. And I thought he was a, a very just kind of gifted passer, had a, a natural feel for how to play. Um, so I'm hoping that they make another deep run. Uh, that way I can get another chance to see him. Uh, I did not know that he was out. Um, but that is good to know. Yeah, so that should be a good one Tuesday. Um, also Tuesday, Whitmer at Lima Senior. I think that's going to be a, a, a very t- a talented game um, on paper. Uh, Cedarville against Leesburg-Fairfield. That game is Saturday night. Those are two undefeated teams. Um, I also like this game. Uh, we've got Mommy, or, um, yeah, Mommy Valley Country Day. At Toledo Christian, uh, that is a Saturday night game. 
And then Wayne Trace against Convoy Crestview, I think, is going to be a really good game Saturday night as well. So um, that's a five. It's a loaded, it's a loaded weekend, man. Yeah. Um, Games everywhere. Of, yeah, it's like regardless of, of what region of the state you're in, it seems like there's either an event or just a pair of really just big-time games. So uh, definitely looking forward to seeing the, the coverage and – just kind of seeing how some of this stuff turns out. I think with it being as early on as it is, uh, I expect to see a lot of, you know, kind of, I guess, upset wins, uh, some some things that you wouldn't normally see maybe in a month or two. Yeah, I also wanted to mention an uh, event um, that a good friend of mine is putting on. Um, it's the Buckeye 8 Challenge um, put on by uh, Justin Clifford, who is uh, the – former head coach at Harrison Central. He's now the athletic director at St. Clairsville. But they are playing at the beautiful Harrison Central facility um, out there in Caddis. Uh, if you've never seen it, um, it is unbelievable. If you go out there, make sure you check out their, press, their football press box as well. Uh, it is unbelievable, uh, the facilities they have out there. I believe I've actually been to the Harrison Central football press box. I was watching Kobe Mitchell against your St. Clairsville Red Devils. And um, what's the trophy that they play for? Uh, the Coal Bucket. Yeah, yep. they, they play for the Coal Bucket out there. But, yeah, just an incredible facility. So um, if you're around that way um, in that area, uh, they have a nice event going on there um, all day Saturday as well. Speaking um, of Speaking of beautiful facilities, uh, this is a question I got asked uh, on Twitter. Uh, shout out to my guys, uh, Lee and Sammy. Uh, they do a great job covering Stark County basketball, particularly the, the Federal League. Uh, but they, I didn't get a chance to respond to it, but they tagged me in a tweet, I believe it was yesterday, and just said, hey, what are your, you know, besides, you know, the Canton Memorial Fieldhouse, you know, what's your most underrated gym in Ohio to catch a game? Uh, and the first place that comes to mind for me is a place I haven't been in, in quite some time. I uh, spent a lot of, of time and hours there when I was in middle school going to watch our high school kids play. But the Struthers Fieldhouse, I don't know if, it, if either one of you guys have ever been there before, um, but that is one of my favorite places to watch a game. I just love the lighting in there, how it's like dark everywhere except for the floor. It just makes it almost look like a spotlight. Uh, just a really cool, unique, big gym uh, so yeah, shout out to Struthers Fieldhouse. Uh, hopefully I can make it out there at some point sooner rather than later. I like Waverly. Waverly is a gym that they got like two sections. Uh, you got like a, a lower level, which is close. And then you got the upper level. Uh, it's just always a gym where if you get a lot of fans in there, they've hosted all day events before especially when Trey Robertson and company were winning 20 games a season. Their their crowd really brought it. So Waverly is always one place in Southeast Ohio that when I saw I was going to a game there, I was like, all right, nice. This is, this is a fun gym to go to. Yeah, w one of the gyms on my bucket list, um, I know it's awesome, is the Supreme Court up at OG. Um, that place is... Like, I mean, hard to get and they into. Pack, they pack that place yeah. out. Hard to get into, <laughs> uh, no matter what night. Um, one of my favorite gyms, um, and, and they're not, they have a new gym now, but one of my 
favorite gym was Winland, uh, Winland Gymnasium at Zanesville. Um, that plate, the ceiling was so low, it was just so electric. Um, and you're talking about like, I'm talking Zanesville teams that were like ranked in the country, top five in the country. Kevin Martin. Uh, but even before him, um, Zanesville, Zanesville, I believe, was like uh, maybe one or two in the country uh, back in the 90s, which wow. if you watch them now, it's like, whoa, what happened? Uh, but that place was just absolutely electric. Um, they used to hold a lot of the district events there in the East District. So, um, But obviously they have a, a new gym there now, but that was that's one of my favorites. Stuff. This was a place I've only been to one time. I was really young, uh, so I have kind of like a vague memory of it. But I'm assuming you've probably been there to cover some games. How how was the pit over at Worcester Triway? You ever go to a home game there? You, you know, I have never been to a game there. And um, back, oh, mid-2000s. Uh, they had the Rotmans. Yeah, I – I had a couple opportunities to go to, and I wish I would have went. Um, they were obviously really good. You know, they were, they, of course, Randy Montgomery was there, um, and, and they were rolling when he was there. Then Keith Snotty took over and got them to the state tournament a couple times when they had the Ropeman brothers. Um, they had a nice run of talent. But, yeah, I would definitely love, you know, shout out to, uh, I believe his name is Andrew Markham. Um, he goes by Pitman Stats yeah. on Twitter. He's a big Wooster Triway guy, big baseball guy. Um, I remember him from uh, the my my yappy days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, he was an old JJ Huddle guy too. So yeah, he's yeah, he's been around for a while. Yeah, he I just likes hear, ball. He likes ball. I used to hear horror stories. I used to hear horror stories about the pit. So Roth, apparently, this gym is like smaller than like regulation. Uh, is what I was told, and they used to just like full court press teams. They would be like people would like try and say that there's like dead spots on the floor. Go <laughs> back, like the people had nightmares about playing at that place. Yeah, um, definitely something I need to go check out now, like as an adult. But I just was curious if you had ever been there back when that place used to really rock. Well, let's uh, let's move on to our buy and sell. We'll get that in before we have our guests jump on here uh, in just a little bit. Um, first question, gentlemen, for the buy and sell this weekend or this week. Um, this is one that I came up with. I was just kind of thinking about this when I, I saw a result from this past week. In the new landscape of college basketball, and you guys can kind of take this however you want, do you think it's going to be more difficult for powerhouse D2s to stay on top? And what I mean by like, like, the, like the West Liberties of the world, with the way the landscape is now, do you think it's going to be more difficult for those teams um, to stay on top? I'm selling. Uh, I actually think it's going to be much easier. Uh, and the reason why I say that is, uh, I love when we have like these kind of scouting conversations here on the pod. Uh, this is really like my world. I, I, I love to, to step foot in this place. Uh, so it's cool when we get to have these kind of conversations. Uh, but because of the, the transfer portal, Division II schools now have access to talent and have access to kids that they would not have been able to get five, six years ago. Uh, we had just talked last week about, you know, one of our alumni spotlights was Kobe Mitchell 
who transferred from Akron down to Walsh. Uh, very rarely were you seeing kids transfer at the high rate that they obviously are now. Quite frankly, because when you transferred, you had to sit out. You know, you weren't as appealing because you can't help me right away. It's like if you want to go to the prom with the hot girl in school, she says, no, I won't go with you this year, but I'll go with you next year. That doesn't help you out. You need a date for Saturday. So the transfer portal has made things so much easier because now these guys can come in right away. They don't have to sit. And because of that, we've seen a major trickle down. Uh, and a lot of high school kids who would have went to the horizon, maybe bottom of the Mac, are now getting some low major Division II interest. Uh, and that's just because a lot of the low major and mid majors, they can't survive and win off of high school kids. So I think Division IIs are actually getting much better talent now than they would have. And I think you can say the same thing about Division Threes as well. A lot of those borderline scholarship level kids have now become priority Division Three kids. And it's just a major trickle-down effect that has obviously impacted and affected everybody, regardless of what level you are and where you coach. Yeah, I don't think I'm as strongly selling this take as TJ is, just for the simple fact that you're going to have to re-recruit a lot more often. Uh, I mean, you look at a team like Nova Southeastern, they win the national title last year. You have a kid go to Georgia. You have a kid go to Memphis. You have a kid go to College of Charleston. You have a kid go, I forget where Graziani went, but it was some other low major program. And like TJ mentioned, you have the ability to now get Division One talent to come down, but... I'm sure it's frustrating when Nova did a great job scouting a kid like Kobe Rogers, and then obviously you won win a national title with him, but you kind of knew that was your last ride, and he was just a sophomore. So you got to replace that talent. So while you are able to get a lot of kids on the trickle down, you're also going to be seeing a lot of your best players say, Thanks for what you did for me in my first two, three years, but now I want to play with the big boys in Division One and have a shot to make it to March Madness. So it's just going to look a little different. I mean, you look at West Liberty this year, and, uh, I mean, they don't have an insanely talented team, especially compared to the past couple of years, but their kids just play so hard. They're so well-conditioned, uh, which is really their superpower is how well-conditioned they are, and they're still finding a way to win games. So I think it'll be interesting to see how the teams that have had kids consistently get poached by Division I schools, how they respond uh, against some other Division II teams that maybe Division I programs weren't as aggressively pursuing in the transfer portal. So it'll, it'll be an interesting thing to monitor, but I definitely don't buy that it's going to be much more difficult for them to stay on top. You just might have to readjust your roster year over year instead of every two, three years. Yeah, things are, are just so much more fluid nowadays. Um, when, when, I, when I speak to a lot of college coaches, quite frankly, when I ask them, hey, what are you looking for? What do you need? They have no idea. You know, kids that you think are going to stay end up leaving. Kids that you think are, are going to leave end up staying. Uh, you don't know exactly how good your incoming freshmen are going to be until you get there. So they're almost recruiting almost a day-by-day -day basis, man. They don't know what they need until they know. 
And, and speaking of West Liberty, uh, I feel like they've done a pretty good job of, you know, finding a balance between bringing in high school kids, you know, talented high school kids along with transfers. But last year, you know, they were a national runner-up. I believe seven or eight out of their top ten guys were transfers, were not kids that they recruited out of high school. And I think that's how a lot of these top-end Division two schools, that's the direction that they're heading in right now. Yeah, I, I think what I was kind of thinking when I posed the question is, is more maybe like where Roth was coming, like, yeah, you're kind of like swapping players. Um, you're going to lose some when you're at that high end to some D1s. You're going to get some. Um, but I, I think it's difficult, though, year after year to just bring a bunch of new guys in, throw them all in a bowl, and come out with the perfect recipe. Um, putting a team together is difficult uh, with culture and chemistry. I mean, you look at – you look at um, – West Liberty in particular, uh, we'll just use them as an example. You, you lose Dalton Bolin and Patrick Robinson to the College of Charleston, and they are key cogs in a 31-win team last year for uh, Pat Kelsey's team. This year, this past year, they they're runner-up, uh, you know, player of the year, one of the, one of the player of the year candidates, Bryce Butler uh, at West Liberty. Uh, he goes to Char College of Charleston after after a, a brilliant campaign with the Hilltoppers. So I just I just think it's going to be taxing to do that every single year, um, which is why I don't think the longevity of coaches in this in this culture is going to be very long. Um, you might be able to win, um, but it's definitely a absolute twenty four seven grind to get what you want. Hey, Stubb, did you send over that, that link? No, I, I, I was having a hard time getting to the screen. Can you get to the screen where the link is from the document? Hold on, I should be able to invite somebody. Yeah, I should be able to. I can send it. I'm sending it right now. I think I got it. Okay, because I copied the... Yeah, my Gmail is loading right now. So, Roth, let me, uh, which one are you sending? Uh, I'm sending it right okay. now. So, Roth, I'll hit yeah, you with yeah. this while we're, have a um, question here. Ohio, these lights, I'll tell you what, man. We were You're so stoned. Yeah, we were talking about this yesterday uh, a little bit. And it got me thinking. I've thought about this for a while. Um, Ohio should have a playoff tournament system that makes regular season, the regular season mean more. So, for example, not every team should enter the postseason. Um, basically, uh, I'm looking to make winning matter. Um as opposed to, like, right now you have a Richmond Heights team. Um, I mean, obviously, when you play Newport, Reynoldsburg, and St. Joe's out of, out of the uh, Philly area, um, they're 0-3. Uh, and, and I feel like right now, Richmond, this, is what, this, is a, this is what I'm comparing Richmond Heights to. They're like that friend that never gives you the time of day uh, until no one else is around, and then they want to be your friend. And that's kind of how I feel like, 
the friend is division four. Um, they don't really want to be division four's friend. Uh, but once there's nobody else around, uh, then, the, then they're okay hanging out with the D four ranks. Yeah. So I, I buy, I buy this just because, I mean, when's the last time you saw a team below 500 win a district, maybe one or two in the past decade. I'm sure yeah. there's a couple, but it, it can't happen very often. Uh, really you're just extending the, the um, amount of games in the postseason. A lot of them are pretty pointless. Uh, another big problem here is allowing the top seeds to not take a buy. So instead of the top seed taking a buy and then facing the winner of the eight versus nine game, instead they play the nine seed, they beat them by 40, they play the <laughs> 10 seed, beat them by 40, and then you finally get to the district semis. So, I mean, I, I definitely would be in favor of a system where only the top eight teams by RPI per district make it. I think that that is more than enough teams that would be able to qualify. You look at most districts, have somewhere between 11 and 13 teams. I think that districts with eight teams would be fine. So, Yeah, I mean, I would, just, I, I would love to see uh, these regions set up like, like it is in football. Like What's that? How is it set up in football? Someone enlighten me. So you've got the seven divisions and you got four regions in every division. So they're re so it's numbered like region one through region 28. Okay. So if you went right, like then you'd have like the top eight teams from each region, you know, making the tournament or top 12 or whatever you want to, whatever you want to go with. Um, I just think, like, I'm just a big fan of making winning matter. Like, I get you're trying to get your team right, and you're going out and you're trying to play all the different styles you can, And but at some point I feel like winning should matter. I agree. I, I think both of you guys hit the nail on the head. I don't really have a ton else to add to that. Um, I just know that some of the excitement surrounding the tournament to me gets lost in those first seven or eight days, uh, you know, just because, quite frankly, how bad some of those games are in the sectional tournament. Uh, so I would definitely be in favor of moving towards that direction, similar to how football does it here in Ohio. All right. Well, gentlemen, right. that uh, wraps up our buy and sell for the week. We, we now have our first ever guest on the drive to Dayton. So there's no pressure here. Uh, I, I believe, Coach, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I believe you are a Mount Vernon legend. Um, 19... I'm a Mount Vernon grad. Okay, is this, is this correct? 1992 first team All American at Muskingum University. Uh, yeah, I, I guess that's a long time ago. Hall of Famer, remember. Hall of Famer, Muskies Hall of Famer. Um, uh, a couple of my former uh, teammates tell me that your your uh, mystique out there was still present when they were playing in the late 90s out there. So. 
You had some Muskingum friends, huh? Yeah, yeah. Justin Clifford, former backcourt mate. Um, he, uh, I'm pretty sure he drove Coach Burson into retirement um, with the amount of shots that he took. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, nobody, nobody took more shots at Muskingum than I did. So <laughs> I still, have, I still have that record. Uh, well, we got Coach Moore. Um, here, uh, the current head coach of the Reynoldsburg Raiders. Coach Moore has been a little bit of everywhere um, prior to his uh, tenure here with the Raiders. So, Coach, before we even you jump into this, uh, why don't you give the, the audience a little bit of background of, of where you've been and what you've done prior to coming to Reynoldsburg? You know, when I left, when I graduated from Muskingum, you know, my dad was a teacher and coach here in Ohio for 35 years and uh, his last 20 were at Mount Vernon. So he hired me as his freshman coach uh, my first two years out. And then at the time he was coaching a young man, <coughs> excuse me, a young man by the name of Aaron Brown. Well, Aaron's dad was the head coach at Kenyon college. And so I, I developed a relationship. His, his name is Bill Brown and developed a uh, pretty good relationship with coach Brown. So when he had an opening, um, he asked me to join him, uh, which I did. I, I knew I wanted to coach and to be honest with you, I didn't think I wanted to coach at the high school level. Um, you know, I wanted to be a college coach and try and get to the division one level if I could. But so I joined him for two years and then he got the job at a division two school out in Pennsylvania named California University of Pennsylvania. Probably a strange name to a lot of people. Uh, but I went out there with him, and we were out there for four years. <clears throat> and at the time, the head coach at Robert Morris, um, which is, you know, in the Pittsburgh area as well, I got to know him pretty well. Well, he had a lot of success at Robert Morris and went to Eastern Michigan, and I was fortunate to go with him uh, to Eastern Michigan. And that was uh, from 2000 to 2002. And then um, when Tommy Amaker got the job at Michigan, um, I did not know him, but I had a pretty good friend that did know him. In fact, that friend is now the AD at Georgetown. And he called Tommy for me. And, you know, Eastern Michigan and Michigan are probably about 15 minutes apart on the same road. So I drove down there and spent the day with him and the assistants and their staff and you know, was fortunate enough to uh, for him to hire me. Uh, we let go, we got let go there in 2007. So I was at Bowling Green, 0708, and then for the next three years, um, the guy that was the head coach at Eastern Michigan at that time, he and I were assistants together at Michigan. So he said, "Why don't you come back up here?" And the reason I did this was because. We couldn't sell our house in Ann Arbor when we got let go. So I was driving to Bowling Green every day oh. um, from Ann Arbor to Bowling Green every day and obviously back. So I didn't want to leave Coach Orr at Bowling Green. He was a great guy. He's a great coach, but just made so much sense financially. Um, you know, travel time is going to get to spend more time with my family. So went back to Eastern for three more years and then um, down to Virginia Tech for two and then out to the Air Force Academy for six. And now I'm back here where I grew up, and I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, so. Yeah, you said you didn't really have quite, you know, any intentions on coming back to or, you know, coaching at the high school level at all. Uh, what kind of, I guess, motivated you to come back to, to Central Ohio? 
and, and kind of get started over here? Well, you know, um, we came back here uh, during COVID and we were leaving the Air Force Academy and I was 50 years old and, you know, I was a 25 year assistant, you know, and the goal for me, TJ, when I started out was, you know, I wanted to be a division one head coach. And so now I'm 50 and I've been an assistant for 25 years. And sometimes you kind of got to reevaluate where you're at, maybe change your goals up a little bit. And it was, it was a hard thing to do. I think I could have stayed in college basketball, but you know, me becoming a division one head coach at that time was probably not going to happen. So, you know, my wife's from Pennsylvania, I'm from here and we talked about coming back and being closer to family and, so again, when I went to Mount Vernon, TJ, uh, Mount Vernon was in the OCC. So I played in this conference. My dad coached in this conference. Um, I knew Reynoldsburg pretty well. I knew a lot of people here. Um, so I thought, you know what, when I saw the job was available, I, I took a look at that one with uh, a few others and, you know, obviously feel really fortunate to, to, to get this job and going on year four here now, but that's, that was kind of the, the change of, you know, mind that I had, my wife had, and we've got three boys and, you know, just, you know, quality of life. You know, I didn't see him much, um, you know, when I was a college coach, and this has been great for that, spend more time with all of them, and uh, it's really worked out that way. I, the one thing, uh, when I when I kind of reflect back on that, that COVID time, that 2020, 2021, you know, those two years, uh, I just thought it's interesting that no matter who you were, what you did for a living, how much money you make, how much money you didn't make, that pandemic put all of us in the same boat. You know, yeah. and I think all of us had to do a lot of self-reflection, figure out what our next steps were, had to really adjust on the fly. Uh, so I personally can relate a lot to what you just said about that. Um, similar to Stubbs, I did a little bit of digging too. When uh, Once you said yes, you know, I kind of did my Google searches trying to figure out uh, just where you, where you've been? I mean, you've touched, I mean, virtually every level possible, right? You've been Division three, Division two, mid major, high major, uh, and that's kind of one thing we stress and we talk about a lot is just how good each level of college basketball is. And yeah. I think, and I think you have a perspective that not a lot of high school coaches are fortunate fortunate <laughs> enough to have, just based off your experience there. So like, do you think that's important, coaching high school players, just having the knowledge of just how good you have to be to play college basketball regardless of level? Yeah, I, I talk to our guys all the time about that. And as you guys probably know, and, you know, when I mention, hey, you know, Capital or Otterbein or somebody like that, hey, they called me today about you. And they look at me like I've got three heads. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to play at that level. And... You know, you got to be realistic with them. First of all, I tell them there are really, really good basketball players at the Division Three level, especially in Ohio with the OAC and the NCAC. I said, you're going to be playing against a lot of really good players. You're going to be going to school at one of the best universities, colleges in the country. So it's still hard to, you know, get them to wrap their head around that, that there is good basketball at the Division Three level. Um but, you know, I just tell them from my experience, you know, I played at that level, I coached at that level. And so all, the only thing I can tell our guys is I'm just telling you what I've seen with my own eyes. And it's not, there's no, um, it should not be, uh, you feel like you're, you know, you're lowering your standards if you play Division three basketball. 
Um, and, you know, we've had some guys do that. Julian Heckman is at uh, Otterbein now. Uh, Davion Croft is at Muskingum. Josiah Mobley is at Wilberforce. Uh, so we've had, you know, at this point, we have only uh, the guys that have left here at the Division Three levels, the highest level that they've they've gone to. Now, Noah Smith has committed to Tiffin next year, so that's Division Two. But, yeah, I, I just try and give them as much insight as I can, and that is – there is really good basketball all over the country at all different levels. Yeah, I think like what you said, uh, obviously making the adjustment from coaching in college to high school, obviously the the expectations are a lot different, right, in terms of the kids and the parents and just the way they think. And social media probably has a, even a bigger impact at the high school level than it does at the college level just in terms of its influence on the way these kids think and how they feel. Uh, what would you say, just going from obviously 25 plus years of being in college to coming to the high school level, what would what would you say would be the biggest adjustment that that you feel like you've had to make? You know, just um, you know, the speed of the game's a little different. Um, you know, some of the rules are a little different. Um, you know, the length of the game is different. Um, no shot clock. You know, which I was used to for 25 minutes uh, for 25 years <laughs> so and also you know just you know being a little more patient um i think the kids you know appreciate that um but we're still we're still demanding with those guys we try and keep them hold them accountable to what we want but just you know i think i think at this level in fact i know at this level now after being here for four years you can affect a young man's life a little bit more than you can once they get to college. Um, and I guess just for instance, you know, when I coached um, in the Big Ten and the ACC, like every kid that came to one of those schools thought they were going to play in the NBA. And I'm not saying they didn't care about academics. I'm not saying that at all. But they, what was first and foremost, uh, you know, in their minds was they were going to play in the NBA. And, and you know, they worked like that. Um you know, they, they wanted to get to that level. Now, again, these kids, and so you, I don't think you could have as much effect on as a kid when that's their kind of tunnel visioned as to that's what I'm going to be doing. And you try and tell them about half a percent of you are actually going to do it. But here, I think you can have more of an influence on guys to, you know, to send them or head them in the right direction as far as, you know, the next chapter of their life. Because um, I think they've got these high school kids don't quite know what the next chapter is in their life. So they've, they've still got a lot of things to learn. And, you know, hope, you hope you can put or head them in the right direction um, and trying to, you know, get them to get them to that next level and give them as much knowledge as you can to hopefully, you know, they can be successful. I'm fortunate here. We've got great families. We've got great moms and dads and families. So they've pretty much done it all. But, you know, I'm with them as much as anybody now in the, the winter time, so we're trying to, you know, we're trying to, you know, be maybe that little bit of that father figure uh, when they're here at uh, when they're here at practice, here for games, lifting, whatever it might be. And, and last week, coach, uh, you know, just kind of hop into the, the season a little bit. We don't we don't want to keep you too long. I'm sure you probably just got done with practice or getting ready to head into a practice. Uh, last week, you guys were actually picked uh, as my team of the week. Uh, I, I just thought those. Those two wins, uh, especially over Richmond Heights and St. V, I thought they were huge. Uh, considering the, you know, a year ago, 
I looked at you guys as a team that had all the pieces, right? You had all the talent, the length, the athleticism, but I didn't think those guys quite figured out how to play with one another and how to finish out games down the stretch. So how important do you, do you think it was, or how important do you think it was for the, those young guys to win those two games and how has that affected their confidence? You know, has it translated to practice? Yeah, you know, first of all, I appreciate it us being the team of the week, TJ. Um, we certainly uh, appreciate that recognition and, and you're right. And what happened last year is, is falls totally on my shoulders. We, um, you know, the first two years I was here, you know, we made it to two district finals with not a lot of talent, to be honest with you. But those guys, you never wondered if they were going to play hard or not. And they did. And they kind of scrapped their way to a couple district uh championship games now finals we didn't win either one of them but so last year yeah we've got quite a bit more talent than we've ever had but we never found any consistency as far as you know how hard we were going to compete how hard we were going to work uh be unselfish um didn't have a lot of chemistry and again that that falls you know squarely on my shoulders i did a terrible job with that and the other thing you know we lost three or four one to two point games and you just made that point um where i think we've grown up some those first two games were, were really close i mean we on the last offensive possession of the game we won the richmond heights game and then you know we win the st v's game and double overtime but at the end of the first overtime st v's was at the line with 0.4 seconds to go down one shooting two free throws so um we've really tried to stress to our guys you know guys we we could be two and two right now as easily as we are four and oh. And there's just a fine line between, you know, winning and losing, being good and great, being between, you know, being great and being a champion. So I do think we've grown up there a little bit, TJ, because, you know, we won those first two close games of the year. Whereas you just mentioned, we just, you know, we, we didn't play real well last year. We didn't compete very hard last year. And um, I just thought, I think that's an area where we've grown up. I hope. Again, we're it's we're four and zero. There's a lot of season left, um, but I hope we continue on this uh, continuous on the continue on this track. Yeah, and speaking of which, you guys got a pretty tough stretch coming up over the next ten days or so uh, with Delvin Kaufman, who, who's never a rollover. Uh, Saint Ignatius, one of the more talented teams in Ohio. Uh, Newark, who's playing exceptional basketball right now. And then one of the more talented teams out of Northwest Ohio uh, and Lima Senior. How do you kind of keep your guys in check? You know, they're, like you mentioned, they're coming off of two really big wins over two of the, you know, premier programs here in Ohio. How do you keep those young guys, all those sophomores, juniors, level-headed, heading into another kind of stretch of really tough games? You know, we just try and, you know, today we talked to them about, you know, if you guys are satisfied, you know, there's probably not a lot of teams in the state of Ohio that could say they beat Richmond Heights and St. V's, you know, in the same year. So if you guys are satisfied with that, that's, you know, we're, that's fine. We can, we can kind of take it from there and kind of cruise the rest of the way, or, you know, we're going to continue to hold you accountable and demand that you do things the right way. Today's act, um, today's, can you still hear me, TJ? Yeah, we can hear you. Okay. Somebody was beeping in. Um, today's practice was awful. Um, we had a film session go very well and we had a practice that didn't go very well. And so hopefully 
come back tomorrow and, and, and be better. But we just talk to our guys about being humble. And also now people know we beat those two teams. So they're going to be coming after us now um, where we really looked forward to playing those two teams. I think a lot of teams are going to look forward to playing us now because we have those wins. But, you know, when you talk about, you know, Kaufman and St. Ignatius and Newark and Lima senior, I mean, you, you know, you can, you can come out of those four games, zero and four. So, and I think our guys know that again, we talked about the fine line be, between being really good and, and being great. And I think they understand that. At least I thought they did till we practiced today because it wasn't very good. But we've still got three more days to get ready for the first one, which is Kaufman. Well, Coach, uh, we, we appreciate your time, Stubbs. You got something else? No, I just wanted to thank Coach Moore for coming on. Um, I, I do want to mention for our younger viewers out there that um, – Mount Vernon High School used to be, and so just so, I know he mentioned it earlier, they used to be really good. Um, yeah. Just to kind of show you, uh, Coach um, Coach Groves, um, that was the head coach here at Pickerington Central before uh, Jerry Francis, uh, kind of, yeah. kind of, that catapulted him to that job um, with the job he did up there at Mount Vernon. Um, yeah. A good player in his own right. Um, so, yeah, young listeners, Mount Vernon uh, wasn't always what it kind of is now. Uh, <laughs> not, no, not to not to bang on them, but there was a there was a time, and you know, 2018 they got that nice win um, over uh, Pick North. There, that that was a big yeah. big upset win. But um, we do, you know, Kurt, uh, just. Uh... You know, my dad's passed away now. He passed away right before we moved back here. But, and I never really did this a lot, but I probably should, you know, just to kind of brag about my dad a little bit. My dad's last 10 years at Mount Vernon. Mount Vernon was the winningest program in Central Ohio at any division, any level. And it was AAA, AA, single A back then. And they were the winningest program in Central Ohio for his last 10 years. So, you know, he, yeah, I, you know, he had a lot of success. You know, I, you know, I loved playing for my dad. I'd do it again if I could. But, yeah, he um, – they they were – Mount Vernon was really, really good at one point. And I'm hoping – I know the coach there now. He does a great job. I'm hoping they can somehow get this thing turned around. I just think there's not a lot of participation anymore. Um, yeah. You know, in Mount Vernon, the kids that really love the game, like a lot of us did there. Before we before we let you go, I, I – a, but, a couple of buddies of mine were talking about this the other day, and I think that I'm right, but I could be wrong. I mean, it'd be first time this month. Um, was there a kid that played at Mount Vernon that ended up transferring to Zanesville named Aaron Brown? Yeah. Aaron Brown, that's who I was just talking about. You know, his dad hired me at Kenyon. And, oh, um, so that's so the, same, dad, the same guy. God, that's okay. the same guy. Okay. And uh, I remember – coach brown at the time there were some rumors out there about maybe my dad would retire and and coach brown kept saying hey please keep me up today please keep me up to date aaron brown was really good friends with seth martin and he said hey if your dad decides to retire we're probably going to go down to zanesville um for his senior year so i kind of knew that was coming yeah aaron brown he actually he signed at san diego state mm -hmm. now Nothing against Aaron, but that San Diego State was not the San Diego State they are now. Right. But still, it's a program. 
Um, he ended up coming back and, and got a chance to coach him at Cal PA. He came back and played for his dad at the division two level. Um, at that time. Yeah, that was, that's the kid they were talking about. Okay. All right. I, I, I'm glad I got that answer. Yeah. Well, Coach, uh, we, we really appreciate your time. Uh, best of luck with this gauntlet of a schedule that you got coming up. And um, I'm sure we will we'll see you on the on the drive to Dayton. Yeah, I hope. Hopefully you'll see us down there. You don't pass us coming the other way. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Guys, Coach. I really appreciate it. This was, uh, I really enjoyed it. If I can never do it again, let me know. So I appreciate you having me on. All right, we'll Coach. All right, guys. Have a great one. Thank you. Um, Bye-bye. Coach Andy Moore of the Reynoldsburg Raiders. And the 1992 OAC Player of the Year. Yeah. Shout out to the OAC. All right, gentlemen, let's uh, let's wrap this up quickly here with our alumni spotlight. Um, Roth, or should I say Chris Kringle, uh, how about you give us what you got? All right, so my Division One Alumni Spotlight Player of the Week, Michi Johnson for South Carolina. Obviously, Ohio high school fans will remember him from his time at Garfield Heights. He scored 26 points versus Clemson and 15 versus East Carolina this week. Michi is averaging 18.4 points per game this season on a much improved eight and one South Carolina squad. And then my small college player of the week, Sir Hughes from Lutheran East. He is at limestone. Sir shot seven for seven from three point range in an 85 to 77 win over Carson Newman as limestone advances to two and oh in SAC play. Uh, for fans who have been following Sir's journey, Sir was at Alderson Broadus for a couple seasons, and that school unfortunately had to shut down uh, their basketball program. I believe the whole school shut down as well, and I actually saw Sir's stat line because I still follow Alderson Broadus, old coach on Twitter, and he's been doing a great job posting all of his former players' stat line at all the different schools they went to. I saw Sir's stat line, seven for seven from three. Going to make him my small college player of the week. Love it. Love it. TJ? Uh, for me, for my Division One alumni spotlight pick, uh, I went with Enrique Freeman at Akron. Uh, I, I don't think this story about this kid gets spoken about enough. Uh, so he was a 2017 grad at St. Martin de Porres here in the Cleveland area, uh, a kid who I had quite frankly never even heard of. Uh, he had barely averaged like uh, double digits a game. Uh, he went to Akron on an academic scholarship, got convinced to walk on as a sophomore. And last year he was the defensive player of the year in the MAC <laughs> and the in the MVP of the 2023 MAC tournament. Uh, he had a dominant week. He had 42 points, grabbed 28 rebounds, and two wins over Bradley in Northern Kentucky. Uh, the clip that really caught my eye, I'm not sure if you guys saw this, uh, against Northern Kentucky, he had a game-winning dunk. Yeah. I mean, it was like, to me, I don't know about you guys, one of my favorite things as a kid, like middle school, high school, uh, one of the only things that would get me out of bed in the morning 
was I needed to, before I walked out the door, I had to watch that sports center top 10 at about 7.54 a.m. And that was a play that you would, that was the type of play that you would see, uh, you know, on your way out the door. Uh, so huge shout out to Enrique Freeman, Akron, and the staff over there. Uh, my small college pick would be the Baden Forup. This was a kid who played at Lexington last year. He's a freshman at Capitol. He's currently averaging 15 points a game, seven rebounds, shooting a whopping 66% from the field. Uh, in my opinion, I think he's on pace to not only be the freshman of the year in the OAC, but he could mess around and be a potential first-team all-conference guy as Capital currently sits at 8-2, and 2-1 two, two and one in the league. Uh, and this is – I don't think people realize – how difficult it is to walk into the OAC as a 17, 18 year old guy and, and be productive. When you just look at how talented that league is right now, top to bottom, you got John Carroll, who's number one in the country, just got taken to the wire by Muskingum, a, a team that was picked to finish, you know, in the bottom half of the league. So every single night, night in, night out, it is an absolute grind. So for him to be as productive as he has been, so far through 10 games, I think deserves a huge shout out. Uh, also, quick shout out to my guy, Jake, over at the Ohio Buckets. I know you're going to eat this up. And those are my two picks this week for the alumni spotlights. Yeah, let, let me make sure I give you two guys your flowers because you told us <clears throat> on this show last year, uh, probably more than once, that Baden was going to be a, a D3 stud for somebody. Uh, and it just so happened that it, it is capital um where he he's doing that at uh for me um division one i went with grant huffman uh down at davidson he's playing really well um he had 19.7 rebounds three steals and a win over miami ohio that's a real nice win really to be honest with you uh miami ohio is not not a bad squad at all um and then my small college player i went with uh cade roots rube sager uh, a senior from Mount Vernon, Naz. Uh, he is a, a Dover graduate. 22 points, seven rebounds, five assists, and a win over Cleary out of Michigan. He's averaging 19 a game this year for the 8-1 and one Mount Vernon Nazarene squad, led by our guy, Jared Arone. One of the best. Yeah, absolutely. So that is our alumni spotlight of the week, one of my favorite segments we do. Gentlemen, you guys got anything else before we wrap it up here tonight? Uh, thanks to, to everybody who's been listening. Uh, I get a lot of texts and phone calls and jokes um, pertaining to the show. Uh, so we love that, man. Um, it, it's not a lot of money in high school basketball. I don't think anyone who's on the Zoom has ever done anything with the intent of making money when it comes to this. We, quite frankly, are just we're crazy, man. Um, we do, we love it. Uh, yeah. I know you guys feel the same way as me. Uh, so if you're as crazy as us, uh, obviously give us a follow on Twitter, uh, follow the, the podcast, Twitter page and Instagram page at drive to Dayton. Uh, shoot us any DMS, uh, with any questions that you might have. Uh, and shout out to my guy. I think his name is like Hume spam 419 on Twitter. Uh, he DM'd me a document that we didn't quite get to today, but hopefully we can get back to it next week. Um, but it was a, a document just explaining how competitive balance in Indiana works. 
uh, and how just drastically different it, it is from what we do here in Ohio. Uh, so I'd love to get these two guys' thoughts about that next week. So shout out to him for sending that my way. I had no idea that Indiana did that, um, but it was really cool just to get a, a different perspective on how other states have been handling these competitive balance issues. I'm moving to Kentucky, one state champ. That's all we need. <laughs> Gentlemen, it's been fun. Let's do it again next week. Sounds good.